0: Well, good morning everybody and welcome back. It is Wednesday, January the 25th, 2023. How in the world are we already in Wednesday? I mean, half the week is gone already, but regardless, I'm happy to be with you this morning and I hope that everybody's week is going well. It's too dark outside for me to see what exactly is happening? Who knows? We're going to get anywhere from zero to 900 inches of snow this morning. Um, I know that all the public schools are canceled today. The preschool is closed at Old Providence. I I think it's closed. I'm pretty sure it's closed. Anyway, um, maybe there will be something. Maybe there will be nothing. Who knows? It does look like it's going to transition to rain later on today. So for our Wednesday night crowd if for some reason we do have to cancel, then that's going to be apparent pretty soon, and you'll get a one call sometime today, but I really, really doubt that we will. Um, I am happy that uh, that we have this time together, though, just the same. Now, um, where we are picking up is in John chapter 19. What we've been doing, as you know, is going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the gospel according to John um last night, or excuse me, not last night. <laughs> yesterday, the last time, not last night, the last time that we were together, um, we made our way through the first portion of the crucifixion narrative. Really what John does, it's 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 fascinating. Uh hold on a second, I'm getting a message my internet hopefully it's working okay anyway it's fascinating what the different authors from the different gospels include john really sort of divides the crucifixion into two sections right and both of them are relatively short okay there's not a drawn out amount of time Um, for instance we, we we don't get a lot of the narrative that we find in other places um, for instance, the thief on the cross, right? We know that Jesus uh, was was crucified with two others beside him. If we look back at verse 18 that we saw yesterday, here they crucified him um, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. We don't get that. We don't get the centurion. There, there's all sorts of things that are included in other gospel narratives that John, for whatever reason, simply does not include. Instead, John focuses on two main aspects. The first is that of control, right? That Jesus remains in control. Um, There is no compelling him to do this, right? It's very clear that Jesus is on a mission here, okay? So that's the first side that John brings out. The second side that John brings out is Jesus's humanity, okay how we see that he is 100% human he's going to do that today but fascinatingly enough kind of a third component that you could bring up is a smattering of prophecy being fulfilled okay um For instance, yesterday we saw the prophecy fulfilled concerning them, um, the bargaining, or or excuse me, not bargaining really, but but casting lots for his clothing. Now, um, that goes to Psalm 22. Today, as we're going to see, that Psalm 69, 21 is going to be fulfilled. So, there's a touch of that, but that's what you get from John, right? He does not spend an inordinate amount of time on this. However, Despite the fact that this is a relatively short portion of John, and I say relatively short because there are other narratives, other stories that John spends a lot of time on, okay? Even though it's relatively short, there is a weightiness to this, isn't there? There's a a heaviness to what we're reading here, right? Um, I think that we saw that yesterday. And I hope that we see that today This is one of those times that this is definitely a story that we are familiar with. Even people that don't know the Bible know that Jesus died on the cross, right? But it's the details you see. It's what's actually written that is so powerful. So today, as we move forward, and really today we're concluding the crucifixion narrative. Just two days, just just two sections. But let the weightiness of this wash over you, as again you witness what our Lord endured for you. Let me start us with prayer, and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please work in our hearts right now. We thank you for the opportunity to have this time, that we have the technology to do this, and I pray that the technology would work, that there wouldn't be complications, and I pray that you would give us understanding now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I've already alluded to one of the things that John is doing here, and that is kind of enunciating or bringing out Jesus's humanity, which is important. Yesterday, I said, at no time did he stop being fully God, and at no time did he stop being fully human. The moment that Jesus would have stopped being human is the moment that he could have stopped representing you and me, and that's what we needed. We needed a representative to die on the cross in our place, to pay for our sins, So that being said, we pick up today in verse 28. It says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, y'all, again, relatively short, right? Three verses, 28, 29, and 30. But so much is contained here. So much is contained in terms of, yet again, driving home this idea. We know that Jesus made other statements from the cross. It's fascinating. We get three of them here, right? Well, really, really. It depends on if you count, them, but it's three three chunks of them, right? Where Jesus looks at Mary. We saw this yesterday. He said to his, his mother Mary about John, the disciple that he loved, dear woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple that he loved, again, John writing this, here is your mother, right? Thoroughly shows Jesus' humanity. But this next one, right? Both the 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 final statement of it is finished but especially before that, where Jesus surveyed what had happened, and then, in order to fulfill prophecy, he said, I am thirsty. Y'all, the prophecy that is being talked about here comes from Psalm 69, right? It says, and this is just starting in verse 19, it says, you know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before
1: you. Scorn." has broken my heart and has left me helpless i looked for sympathy but there was
0: none for comforters but i found none they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst yo know, definitely very clearly Psalm 69, 21 is what is being fulfilled here when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, and then they soaked the sponge and the wine vinegar and lifted it to him. But if you're going to understand the gravity of all this, you'll note from Psalm 69 that the focus there is not the physical pain from the psalmist. And certainly this points forward to Jesus. It's not the physical pain.
1: It's not the agony that has been endured. It's the scorn. It's the fact that
0: Jesus, as he faced this, was brokenhearted. Why? Well, y'all, the reason that Jesus was brokenhearted was not just because of the derision, not just because he's thirsty and they give him vinegar to drink. What a vile thing to do. It's not that. His being brokenhearted. Jesus feeling that scorn is directly related to why Jesus said it is finished. Y'all, there are so many reasons why Jesus made such a conclusive statement, right? Is he talking about his passion and suffering? Yes, he's talking about that. Is he talking about the prophecy being fulfilled? Absolutely. When Jesus says it is finished, is he talking about the end of his life? Yes. But y'all... When you read this in light of Psalm 69, right, in light of this prophecy about what our Lord would endure, we cannot forget that when Jesus says, it is finished, this also includes his taking our sin on himself. You see, the source of the scorn there is not embarrassment. It's not shame at being naked in front of everyone it's not shame in being hung up in front of everyone the
1: shame that jesus felt the heart brokenness that jesus experienced if you know him it's because of you it's because of me it was the weight of our sin the the burden of our transgressions that we were
0: supposed to pay for based on justice that in order to satisfy justice in order to satisfy the Holy God, Jesus
1: took our justice so that in being just, he may show mercy. When Jesus said it's finished, it was a comprehensive statement.
0: It encompassed everything that Jesus came to do, why he came to do it, and everything that would be accomplished by what Jesus did. His statement, it is finished, there in verse 30. It encompasses the fact that his mission to come and save his people from their sins, to indeed be the spotless lamb of God, his mission was complete.
1: He took the cup of wrath that was ours and drank it all himself. And with that, the end of verse 30, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit.
0: What does this mean? I don't know. Was this Jesus's final moment where he realized he was not going to be pulling up again to gather breath? And y'all,
1: this is our Lord. This is the one who is perfect. Was that what this is?
0: We don't fully know. that. But you can pontificate on this. You can guess. You can make all sorts of statements. But at this point, Jesus knew with the final prophecy completed, with all the prophecies completed. And if you go through and look at all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, y'all, it's unbelievable. But with that final one being completed, he said, it's over. It's finished. It's done. And he gave up his spirit. Now, again, we don't have the accounts of the other disciples. They focus on other things, like the darkness and the earthquakes, and we just don't get that. And that's okay. That's not John's point. John's focus solely is on the completed mission of Christ. And so to that end, verse 31, now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. Now, maybe you weren't here last week when we covered why prisoners were usually savagely beaten before being crucified. They were beaten so mercilessly because it sped up the crucifixion process. Again, not to be terse, not to be cold and clinical, but when you were crucified, you didn't die from blood loss, right? Though Jesus did have nails and his hand and feet nailed to that cross, what you died from was asphyxiation. You suffocated because as you hung on the cross, right, you had to continually pull yourself up in order to take a breath because it compressed the diaphragm. All right, and so if you're wondering why did they break legs, you know, is this just insult to injury? No. If anyone was still living after all this time, if you broke their legs, they could no longer push themselves up again, and then they just die. As a side note, let there be no doubt
1: about the brutality of this, the horror of this. But, verse 33, when they came to Jesus
0: and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. We know that's a fulfillment of prophecy, too. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus aside with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay? Y'all, why blood and water? To show that his body was completely finished. Right, that That's what this is. Verse 35, the man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe.
1: Y'all, it's that last line that John reveals the whole point of this, the whole point of why
0: he has written what he has written. After saying this about Jesus, that his legs weren't broken, we find out from other writers that, too, fulfills prophecy about not a bone was broken. But as soon as John finishes with a sudden flow of blood and water, he then takes the, the text and he shifts around. Now, you might say, the man who saw it is given testimony. It's curious here. John most certainly is talking about himself, and yet... He's no longer the one who Jesus loved. John is so focused on Jesus's mission being fulfilled. He doesn't refer to himself that way anymore, right? In fact, if you go back to verse 26 or verse 27, he doesn't say the disciple whom Jesus loved. He just says, and to the disciple, right? Fast forward to what we just read. Verse 35, he doesn't even call himself a disciple, He goes from the disciple who Jesus loved to the disciple to the man who saw it. And yet he gives the entire reasoning for the gospel according to John. The man who saw it has given testimony. And his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. And he testifies so that you also may believe. See, John simultaneously has told you why he's written what he's written. But he's also simultaneously told you that he believes these things to be true. So if you're wondering, well, why did Matthew, Mark, and Luke include this, but John didn't include this? Or I wonder why John spent so much time on this story as opposed to this. And why didn't John even bring that into the equation? Because he wrote what he wrote. And by the way, this is God's word breathed out through him, right? But what is written here is written with the intent that you and I would read it from an eyewitness and that we would believe. Then we see in verse 36, these things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced.
1: And with that, John is done. He has wrapped this up. Next, we move to Jesus' burial. But for today, as we
0: end this section, it's going to be fascinating who pops up at Jesus' burial. An unlikely character, in fact, is going to be there. One that we've never really met before is going to be there, but another one that is very unlikely shows up. And yet... As we finish this, there's a simple component here that we dare not miss.
1: And it's this. You all know, in terms of opportunity, the Lord is so gracious. In terms of
0: giving us the opportunity to testify to him, the opportunity to be faithful, the opportunity to proclaim his greatness. Those opportunities abound and they start with ourselves, right? Preaching the gospel to ourselves first, testifying to Jesus's authenticity. The other certainly is part of this equation. I think verse 35 ought to bring us back to the reality that this information that we have, it's not ours to keep. We are stewards over the truth, right? So that means that we need to uphold the truth. We need
1: to protect the truth But we need to share the truth of all of these things. Y'all, I don't know how you process Christianity. I don't know how
0: you view your faith. Perhaps, and I talked about this recently on a Sunday morning, perhaps it's an eternal fire insurance policy for you. I don't know. The fact is only God knows that. However, 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 because of John's impetus that's revealed here, because of John's motivation that we see on display, we too ought to be motivated. We too, in knowing these things, though we are not eyewitness to this particular occurrence, we believe it's true, and we're eyewitness to so many more occurrences of Jesus working. Let our attitude be John's. That when we interact with people about Jesus, that we do what we do. We say what we say so that others might believe. And that doesn't just include people that don't know him. That includes our interaction with other people. That includes how we conduct ourselves in the church. That includes the fact that, again, we have the truth. We're called to be stewards of it. We're called to care for it and protect it. And so that means... As we consider our own testimonies, we need to be thinking about our motivations. We need to be thinking about the opportunities the Lord gives, opportunities that we've missed that we need to repent
1: for. But in short, we got to get serious about telling this. You know, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Without even recognizing the poignancy of this, the torture of it, the agony, but also the mission that was fulfilled. As you consider these things, the weightiness of it all, keep these things in mind.
0: Focus on Jesus' sacrifice, but focus on his triumph, and we'll see that very soon. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you've given to us. We thank you for John, for his faithful testimony. We thank you that you worked in and through him to breathe out your word and that we have it. But because we have it, we know we have responsibility for it and to it. So please, let us get serious about sharing this message so that a lost world would see that there is salvation in Jesus alone. But also let us lift one another up as we encourage each other in belief, in action. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Rose, good morning, and there's Becky and Wayne and Elizabeth, and there's Alice. I see Christine and the other Becky and Terry. Yeah, we need to pray for for Dale. Um, Dialysis is starting in eight minutes. In fact, let me pray right now. Father, please be with Dale, be with Terry Um, We pray that this dialysis treatment would be a success, that there would be a breakthrough, that he would be able to continue on. Watch over him, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry, keep us in the loop on things. Thank you all so much for being here. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning, and if the night's canceled,
1: we'll let you know. um, But if not, 645 tonight. Y'all have a great day.